Steve. Oh, my performance anxiety. Gregor. Oh, my God. And Greg. Welcome to Maximum Collective, Spool Up 16. Catching up with Kyle Dahl. Our special guest, Kyle Dahl. Welcome. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hey, Kyle. Awesome. Good. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be on. Good to catch up with you guys. And uh, let's get into it. Absolutely. So uh, what's it been, about two years or so since, uh, where were you at living last? Germany? And where are you at now? Uh, Yeah, so I moved to Germany in, uh, I think it was the end of 2018, actually, was the first time that I officially moved there. So that was, wow, that was already uh, five years ago. And uh, anyway, so I was in Germany uh, working at Mikado Model Helicopters factory. And I was there for um, about a year and a half or, yeah, about a year and a half. And, uh, you know, during that time was when COVID started and all of that, uh, I'll just say stuff happened. <laughs> and uh Eventually, we we left Germany and uh, moved back to the States. We were there for a little while. And then uh, ultimately, now we moved to Hong Kong. And we're living in Hong Kong full time now. That's awesome. That's totally that- awesome. What, what's that like? What's what's the flying scene out there like? Uh, it's it's pretty interesting. I mean, uh, so the flying field at the in Hong Kong, there's just one like uh, official flying field and it's pretty it's just an entertaining club to be at because uh, i don't know who who follows uh what on social media but a lot of people post videos of that club and it's pretty well known as the uh the jet crash headquarters of the world (laughs) i I didn't want to call that one out but i have definitely seen some of those videos yeah that's the field with all the trees in the background and everything right yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. george's is out there I don't know what it is. And I guess first I'll I'll do Georgia solid and I'll clear up some misconceptions. Like George <laughs> posts other people's crashes. George is not the one crashing. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. like nice. I don't know what it is about that flying field, but um a bunch of guys with more money than sense or uh <laughs> or what, but nice. uh, you know, it, it's so funny and uh I mean Every weekend, there's one or two twenty thousand dollar jets that just go in and burn in, and it's uh, it's comical. And then they they do. It's actually a great thing for the hobby. Uh, they do like these events out there every month or so. Where well, they'll do like a fun competition, like a you know a, a limbo. Like you have two minutes to go under the limbo as many times as you can. And they don't do that with the turbine jets, but they'll take out their EDFs and stuff, and it's. You know, I think on the, uh, a couple months ago they did one, and it's like forty-three planes crashed. Oh wow! I just totally wow. wow. And uh, so it, it's just entertaining. I'll say that much, but it's great for the hobby. I mean, the manufacturers yeah. must love that field. <laughs> yeah. Selling parts. So oh I think uh, maybe maybe if we want to help the heli scene, we need to start doing like high-speed limbo contests at uh, all the events and see what happens. Yes, yes. We could do more Kyle Dahl challenges. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Those are always uh, spicy. 
how does that how does that compare to the flying field in Germany? I've I've flown all over the country, but I've never flown like in other countries. And I'm just curious. I assume Germany was different. I've gotten to see videos, but what was that like? Yeah, in Germany, it was, uh, to be honest, I mean, I didn't spend much time at uh, at clubs. So, uh, I mean, because in Hong Kong, there's one field and you have to fly there. And maybe I can touch on like what's the regulations over here. But in Germany, like there, it was pretty, as long as it's under 5 kg, like you're pretty f free to fly wherever you want. So there was a, the, the closest flying field was like, maybe 20 or 30 minutes from where I was living. And uh, there was a field five minutes from the road that I could go fly at. So I always just drove out there and flew on the side of the road. And, you know, we were testing a lot of stuff back then and uh, just having a, a field to myself was nice. So, uh, you know, one thing about Germany is the weather's much more pleasant than Hong Kong. <laughs> Hong Kong is very uh, hot and humid and in Germany, it was really nice and, Okay, it was raining and windy sometimes, especially in the winter, but uh, yeah, it was fun. But in Hong Kong, yeah, there's just one field and uh, one official club. And if you want to fly anything big, you, you have to go there. Gotcha. So what are the regulations I, then? Yeah, so there's a um, government body called ESUA. Um, not entirely sure actually what it means, but... Uh, something small unmanned aircraft and uh, basically you know it's it's pretty streamlined for a government program so basically when you get a model or you have models and uh, you have to go on their website you enter in the model name weight and uh, what kind it is an airplane helicopter multi-rotor if it's like a pre-made thing like a dji or if it's a kit that you self-build so you just go on, select those things. You can do multiple models at once. Um, hit submit. Maybe three or four days later, they send you an uh, envelope in the mail. It's all free, by the way, which is nice. Uh, mm -hmm. They send you an envelope in the mail, which has these little uh, stickers with a QR code on it. And that's the registration of the airplane so or model. And so you... Uh, peel that off, stick it on your model, then you actually have to take a picture of the model with the sticker on it and then upload that back up to the thing, uh, to the website, and then your your model is registered. And wow. the, the, is there a size restriction so, or is it all of them like that? So anything above 250 grams, you have to do that. And then um, in general, like, you can't fly in Hong Kong at all. If you want to fly anything in Hong Kong, you have to get like a permit and everything, except for at the flying field. It has an exemption to, uh, you can fly there without having to register anything and uh, and do anything like that. So as long as you're at the flying field, there's pretty much no weight restrictions and uh, anything like that. But all your models have to be registered then, huh? You have to do that for all of them. That's that's yeah. interesting. Like here, yeah. you got to register and it's, um, it's... yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, actually, it's very well enforced too. So they actually have member uh, people from this ESUA organization. They come out to the flying field at random and check models. And if you don't have, if, it, if you're flying something that's not registered, it's like, 
like twenty thousand dollar fines and six months in jail. So it's wow. like no that joke. Is, like yeah, you gotta, yeah. So it, it's wild. pretty hardcore. But uh, follow the rules and and you're fine. And it, it, like you said, it sounds like easy rules to follow. You just but if you don't, it's hardcore. I mean, and that's that's the thing why I'm not so ups, upset about it is you know if it was like trying to go to the DMV to register your car or whatever, you know, we all know what that's like. It's a pain yeah. in the butt. But if it the system is really streamlined actually. The the website is easy to use. It's intuitive. If you have questions, like you call them and they just they pick up on the first ring and there's someone there to sp speak to. So it's actually very well run. So I'm fine with it to be honest. Could you I'm imagine curious. taking three hundred models in and getting them registered? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> poor ken man he'd be out of luck he'd be doing oh, that yeah. for days you yeah, have to buy tough. a whole new server to hold his data <laughs> so speaking of giving a call i mean do they speak english there have you learned what What do they speak in hong kong so in hong kong the official language is cantonese which is okay. uh its own language pretty much only spoken in hong kong and some parts of china but uh, i i'm not learning Cantonese. I, I've been studying Mandarin, which is the the main language of um, of China, of course. And most people speak English over here, though, at least a little bit and uh, enough to get by. And then most people in the official positions, like at that ESUA, they all speak English, of course. Gotcha. Wow. So we, we get by over here and it's it's city life so it's you know fast pace and hustle and bustle and everybody who lives in hong kong is here to you know bust ass and you know work nice so. do you but yeah do you, we're liking it does everybody over there own their own car or is it kind of a shared thing or i i see like i don't know i'm probably mixing stuff up like motorcycles and everything else is it is it totally different over there than say california yeah, uh, having a car over here is quite a, a luxury, to be honest. Most people don't have cars um, because, sit down, gas, okay, you guys, guess. What's the price of gas in the U.S. now? Uh, on bucks? average? It's yeah, about... 3 30 around here. Yeah, well, guess not... what the price of gas is in Hong Kong? Ten dollars $10. 12 Oh, that's per liter. That's not that's not per gallon. That's that's a liter, or is that so? No, twelve. You like if you do the math, like it's actually okay. like twenty Hong Kong dollars per liter, which works out to about twelve USD per gallon. Wow, wow. So, that's crazy. So that, fuel efficiency, and then, and then if you own it, like actually buying a car is pretty cheap. You buy the car, you pay the insurance, okay, but and then you have gas. But uh, then the, the biggest expense to owning a car over here is parking. Like if you want to pay for parking, you have to pay at your apartment building where you live. And that's like 400 USD a month. And then if you actually want to drive the car to the office, you have to pay a parking at the office, which is another 400 USD a month. So like to own a car, like uh, on top of gas and the car payment and the insurance, there's 800 bucks of uh parking parking fees per wow. month so it's most people don't have a car like it's it's kind of a luxury so they have good taxis are pretty cheap they have good subways and uh 
you know, where we live, it's about five minutes from the, the office. And uh, so we just walk most of the time. My, my guess good. is, my guess is it's, it's so compact that around there that they're trying to yeah, discourage yeah. all the craziness, you know, is what I'm guessing, you know? But, yeah. I yeah. mean, compared to the U S it's very tight. And uh, I yeah. mean, I know in the U S you, you take your car everywhere and even if you want to go to the gas station down the street, it's like a quarter mile. You hop in your car and you drive. And uh, here it's like, it's not like that. No, if, if you can walk there in 10 or 15 minutes, then you just walk. And uh, which is good. Everyone's healthy. There you go. <laughs> right. How far That's... is the flying field? Flying field is about a, a 30 minute drive. So, um, when I'm uh, need to go to the flying field, I just I borrow one of uh, George George's car, and because uh, he has he has two, and then uh, I just borrow one of his cars and I load up at the shop and take everything to the flying field and then take everything back to the shop at the end of the day, and that's that's the thing also. I mean the apartments are pretty small over here, so you you don't have a garage or a workshop room in your house like, actually what most people do, which is a shock to me is the flying field is like where you build your model. So guys ship their models wow. to the flying field and then they go out there and they, they build their models. And then there's like sea trains out at the flying field that people have bought and put there. And then they just store all their models at the flying field and the models just live at the flying field. So it's wow, completely Sounds different like vibes in the U S much yeah. easier to uh, pack up at the end of the day, huh? Just put everything <laughs> yeah. in your unit and you're all done. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm very fortunate. To, I, I guess I haven't, we haven't got to it yet, but I, I work at um, Scorpion uh, Power System now. So we have the big warehouse there and I have a, a workshop. I, I commandeered one of the conference rooms or one of the office spaces and I uh, turned that into my workshop. So yeah, I, I have a place to build and uh, just when I need to go, I just pull everything from the office down to the car and then drive on out. That's so pretty neat. Of that, what do you, uh, what do you do in there? So I moved uh, to Hong Kong specifically to start working at Scorpion. Uh, George called me up one day and said, knew that I was heading to a position where I was going to be in between jobs and, uh, offered me to come to Scorpion and start working there and see how things went. So I, I came on as product development manager for Scorpion, which is just a product development, basically, which we did a ton of. And then as of this year, uh, I now, George promoted me up to basically managing director. So now everything related to Scorpion Power System is under my belt. And that's a very exciting opportunity for me. And, uh, and congratulations. I'm, I'm deep, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm very really cool deeply enjoying it so well that's oh, good for imagine. the hobby though i mean knowing <laughs> that somebody really knows what the demands are and everything else so i mean when you when you're building stuff i mean obviously you have to keep financial vibes in play and i don't think enough people even think about what kind of market there is for helicopters people it, it's all passion right for the most part there's not i don't think there's a ton of money in it and i'm, I'm curious like when you go and design something uh, I mm -hmm. mean, I heard a rumor a couple of years back you were working on like I'm a low head speed guy. So I had heard a rumor mm -hmm. a while back that you were working on some lower, lower power systems. Like we put the biggest power system in the world and you don't really mm -hmm. need it. 
And I'm just curious, you guys still developing stuff like that or? Yeah, that was a project that I was I was really passionate about a few years back. It, it was kind of in the uh, the Globo era where, you know, I had a nine pound 700 size helicopter that was still a, a hoot to fly. And uh, so I started thinking like how we can do that with electric. And so we did, it was fully developed. Um, I guess I won't go too much into it, but just a, a very lightweight power system that had, um, it was actually uh, amp or power regulation. So basically I could limit the power to that equivalent of a nitro. And then you had this baby little motor, baby little ESC, baby little batteries that uh and then it was light and powerful powerful enough and uh i don't know it was just a, a fun project that i was working on and then it, it never actually came to fruition um unfortunately but uh yeah back to the original question um yeah when, when we i mean a lot of stuff from scorpion is has its roots in passion of course i mean the the hobby is is a great market and uh Obviously, George previously and, and me, myself now, uh, are just using that passion to fuel our, our development into the, this hobby. And, uh, you know, because we, we both just love to fly and we, I mean, that's our that's our whole passion. And uh, so when we develop something, we, we do all of the testing in-house at the start, at least. So it's we, last year, we did a lot of development on airplanes um kind of revising the airplane line and uh, yeah it, it wasn't just design a motor and put it on the market no we i bought airplanes uh of the size of mo for the size of motor that we were developing and then i built them and then we went out to the flying field every i mean i only had saturdays and sundays because we were working full work week but so work the whole week and then go on the weekend and test fly all day in the the scorching heat and put stuff to the test, <laughs> make sure it works. Uh, you know, and that's just that's just what we do. Like I, I don't want to put something on the market that's not uh, fully tested and and working good. So we we do that for several months, and then once we kind of give it the seal of once I give it the seal of approval. Uh, then we normally ship it on out to sponsored pilots, have them run it through its paces, and then come back, and then then start production. Very During cool. that process, wow. what awesome. kind of hiccups have you guys ran into? I mean, is there? I'm, I just can't see something getting by you that would make it to somebody else that'd be like, "Oh, well, you missed this." And I mean, surely you've yeah. ran into some hiccups, but I'm I'm just curious, like, what is that process like? Um. So the it was a huge learning experience for me to learn more about power systems when I came here. I mean, I had, of course, the basic knowledge, you know, motor size, KV, uh, voltage amps, you know, and I, you know, I just thought that, you know, this KV equals this power. And it's like, no, actually, and or this size plus this KV equals this power. And it's like, there's actually so much more to, to power systems that, I guess the average person has no idea about. So, I mean, all the way down to the the spacing, the size of the magnets, the how much coverage there is, the quality of the materials, the air gap spacing, the, the I mean, there's so much to it that can be adjusted. And uh, it was a huge learning experience. Probably can't get into it all, all right now, but 
that was the the main thing that we 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 were we focused on is when we make a sample it's you know we'll make four versions of it like we run a simulation we get a starting point and then a, a computer can only take you so far and the rest is just real life testing so We'll make four variations, different size or different shape of magnet, different spacing, different uh, magnet grades. And it, it's really interesting because you, you would think, oh, just put the biggest magnet of the highest uh, quality and it's going to work the best. And it's like, no, there's there's a black magic to power systems where, you know, sometimes a little bit smaller magnet works better and or uh, the lower grade actually, for whatever reason, makes better power than the higher grade. And stuff like this. So we have, uh, yeah. Normally we'll make about four different prototypes to start, and then test, and then revise and test and revise and test. And um, it's a it's a whole project. Uh, it's a whole process. But at the end results, I mean, they they speak for themselves. So that's gonna be cool. That's gonna be cool having those type of uh, variables that you could adjust the like a kid in a candy store. Make all these little features, yeah. adjustments, tweaks, and then go see it work. I got to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was a huge. Um, it was very rewarding to to see a product come to life. I mean, that's it's what I did before uh, with Mikado, especially with the logo. Like working on a project, <clears throat> working out all the kinks, and then seeing it finally on the market. I mean, that's I, I love that feeling, and um, so I, I basically got to do that all last year and we're continuing on this year so last year was all about the airplanes i think we came out with um about six six sizes new sizes of airplane motors last year and then this year we have several more in development and then um this year as well we we decided that we're going to be revising the helicopter line which is uh, proving to be really really exciting for us and uh and I hope for the market. So right now uh, we just debuted it a few weeks ago at the Global 3D is uh, the new, we're calling it the HK5 uh, series. And the, the first size up is for kind of a new, just high power 700 size setup uh, to we're going after to kind of replace the 4530 size. So the oh. new size that we've come up with is 5024. So a little bit bigger diameter, but a little shorter. And in our testing, we found that that's uh, just a, a killer setup. Uh, it has so much torque, so much power, and it it comes down like cool to the touch. It's it's really cool. Nice. So, um, you know, that's that's something that like uh, it's kind of an internal. Uh, we we treat it as a joke, but the one thing that people normally complain about a Scorpion motor is that they run hot, and it's like, well, heat is a byproduct of power. It's it's not only about efficiency. So if your motor has more power, more torque, it's, it might run a little hotter. But in this new system, we have, um, um, I mean, of course, the power, the size, the efficiency is great, but we also incorporated a new uh, cooling fan design. So it's a new kind of cooling fan, and it almost doubles the amount of airflow, the, the natural airflow of the motor running through. And uh, just the end result is really crazy. It, it was really great. I mean, I saw it. Um, when I fly, like I push it to the, to the, as hard as I can. And, you know, at the end of a flight, I can just keep my hand on it. And then I thought, well, maybe I'm just getting old and uh, I don't fly as hard anymore. So we took it to global 3d, put it in a, a heli there of, uh, Marek Wienstroff. He's one of our, uh, 
one of Germany's best pilots and he's also on our team. So put it in his heli and he pushed it to his, its max, you know, he was pulling like upwards of 200 amps. Uh, and same thing at the end of the flight, he lands, takes the canopy off, put your hand on it. Okay. Nice. That's so, awesome. <clears throat> yeah. that That's pretty exciting. So that'll be the first size up. Um, just kind of the new, the the forty five twenty five was long standing. I mean, I think Scorpion came out with the first forty five twenty five size back in two thousand ten, and uh, you know at that time in two thousand ten for seven hundred size people were always using the forty thirty five size. Okay. And then Scorpion came out with the forty five twenty five, which kind of paved the way for for a lot of different future development. So you you see all the manufacturers use forty five twenty five now. But uh, now we, the market, of course, has gone crazier and crazier, and the forty-five thirty has kind of became the new standard, I would say. And uh, but this fifty new HK five fifty twenty four is on, on track, in my opinion. It should be the replacement to the forty-five thirty size. Wow, that's awesome! That's awesome! Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, and and that's just the that's just the motor. And then you you add in ESCs on top of that. There, I learned a lot about ESCs last year, and you know, I I'll just say this: like you're basically switching on and off power on all the different phases, and you're you're switching on and off power with 200 amps running through it almost a million times a second in a perfectly harmonious and efficient way. Like you can only imagine how much goes into making that happen so pretty and, easy yeah. process pretty simple right <laughs> sounds simple yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so it, it was it's been a huge learning experience for me and, and a very interesting one and like you said it, it's just it's fueled by passion like i mean in our development it's uh because the, the the crazy thing is is like we don't have to just make a, a motor or an esc that works for our motors but with thousand different kind of motors out there in the world not not even just in the hobby because there's you know we have other people industrial customers and people who run in runners and out runners and boats and this and go-karts and so like making it work with every kind of motor on the market um and not every motor on the market is the best as you can imagine so certain motors have design flaws which um don't you play well address. with ESCs. So, you know, it, it was really funny <laughs> last year. It's like we 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 bought one of these motors that does, isn't very, isn't the best and uh, put it on our ESC and just, you know, crank it up to full throttle and uh, torture test basically to the point of failure and uh, find, okay, what happened there? Why, why did it fail? And then it's like grab a new ESC change 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 the algorithm okay test fire okay grab another one go 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 okay run test and just yeah i think it's just a, a lot of testing a lot of development and uh making the system work as reliably as it can with all kind of motors good and bad motors um high power low power any kind of situation you can imagine and then just all the edge cases you know customers with wrong gearing who are pulling way too many amps and and too much phase current, you know all this stuff. Just making it try to try to make it work as reliably as possible. And uh, I, I'm proud of the work that we did, and it's been 
a great experience and just really fun for me also. So you've got another cool project that's come to light this week in the market, don't you? Mm, Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have so many products in development that uh, uh, you'll have to specify because I don't know which one we (laughs) released. Part (laughs) two, right? Kyle Doll number two. KD2s came out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> KD2s. It's like, which one? I was, sorry, I, I, was so, I was so into Scorpion, I forgot that I've been doing other stuff. <laughs> oh, so yes. you're not busy at all. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, Expert uh, RC, my, my longtime uh, servo sponsor and the company that I've partnered with for, for servos for the last seven years now. We finally got the new Expert KD2s out on the market. So that's very exciting project. That was another one of those projects that uh, was a long time in development, um, but the results are are finally just, yeah, it, it's great. I'm excited to see them on the market and yeah, we can talk about them a little bit. Do you guys? I'd I mean, like to hear the, I'd like them? to hear the differences. What, what sets I mean, number one, uh, I have ran both the Katie's and the normal uh, experts. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that I'm a good enough pilot to see the difference. So when you go and do something like that, what's in your mind? What did you change? And then what's different from these, from the KD-1s? Yeah, so um, first, just I'll talk about the mechanical differences. So it's, I mean, from the outside, it looks pretty much like the same servo. So it's the same physical size and and everything. Uh, mechanically, there wasn't much to improve on. They did beef up the uh, the gear pins a little bit. So they're up to, I think, uh, they went from a 1.6 millimeter diameter uh, gear pin to a two millimeter gear pin, which does just make it stronger, longer lasting, and uh, of course in crashes and stuff as well, makes them a little bit more durable. Um, not that there was a problem with the original ones, but it's just even, even better now. And then, um, so mechanically, that's the, the, the main difference. They still have the quick, release connection on the back which does make them uh, super easy to to pull out and swap out if you need so if you have kd1s it's a very easy change to go up to the kd2s just unbolt them unplug the old one put the new one in and then uh, i guess put your kd1s up on the market for sale love that feature uh, yeah and uh so that's the mechanical difference. Not not huge amount of changes there, but uh, the main difference is in uh, software. So, I, as you said, there's the before there was the difference between the R1 series and the KD1 series. So, that's a, a old story from 2015, I think. Uh, you know, I was I was searching for a new uh, servo sponsor. I was testing different servos on the market, and. Uh, I just wasn't really feeling anything that I I liked. And uh, I wrote to several different companies like, hey, like, I think you need to change this, this or this. And expert was the only one who stepped up to the plate and said, okay, if, if you want it uh, better, we'll, we'll change this and we'll make it the KD1. And so I said, all right. And uh, so we, we changed just a lot of parameters, the, the feeling, the... I mean, inside of a servo, I mean, think about your flight controller. You, you have gain adjustments, you have rate adjustments, you have all kind of different adjustments. And it's like inside the servo, there's all of those as well. Just customers normally don't uh, adjust them. So inside the servo, there's a, a PID loop, there's acceleration speed, braking speed, all kind of different adjustments. Um, 
so some servos you can program that but most the, the fair majority you don't you just take what the manufacturer gives you so we we tuned the the servos to my liking and that was the kd1 and i remember the first time i flew the kd1 it was just like wow like it's you know that much better than anything i've ever flown before and i felt right at home with them and i really liked them so fast forward a few years later the the development of the kd2 actually started maybe two and a half years ago uh we were talking with ex i was talking with expert they said they wanted to you know revise the line make a, a new version so i took all of the market feedback and my own feedback about what could even be better uh, from that and we actually started development about two and a half years ago and uh oh, wow. same thing like uh when i got those first kd2s it was the same feeling that i had going from like the r1s or any other servo to the kd1 it was like that much more for the kd2 where it was like wow like this just feels awesome like it's so crisp so, so snappy and uh, locked in like I, I feel a direct connection between my my thumbs and the helicopter so mm -hmm. it, it was a great feeling to feel that and like I said that was two and a half years ago and then COVID hit a lot of things got delayed uh, pushed back this and that so again this year we we they they got caught up or they got back to work on that project and uh, so the last thing that they wanted to add was the 760 pulse width um, feature so it's pretty cool like uh, a lot of servos i've seen on the market like you have to program them either 1520 either 760 the experts have a auto detect feature so basically if you turn it on with 1520 it just goes to 1520 mode if you turn it on uh, and the, the your fly bar list is outputting 760 it detects that and just switches to 760 so there's no external programming and uh, so, yeah, so a few months ago, they sent me the sets that had the um, that feature. And I had my V-Bar Neo Evo, which can do 760 pulse width now, and uh, put those on. And it was like even another level of just more connected to the model. And uh, so now my, my helicopter that I have here in Hong Kong with the KD-2s, the... Uh, neo the neo evo with the 760 pulse width and that hk5 5024 motor it's like the only the only thing i can think to myself is every time i'm flying i'm like i wish i had this back in like 2016 or 2015 when i was like competing hardcore because it would have just been like that much more awesome but we have it now so the, the cyclic is dialed and then there's actually pretty substantially huge uh, improvements on the tail rotor servo as well. So with the KD2T, the tail servo, uh, sorry, the KD1T tail servo, you know, it, it, it of course, was very good and very well used. And um, but the KD2 is like that much more locked. Like if you're not touching the stick, like the tail's just there and just solid. And then or when you give pitch, like collective pitch movements, like the tail just stays where you want it, like exactly where you left it. And that that's due to the the new, they have the 500 Hertz uh, option for the tail servo. And just, of course, the tuning as well. So it's, it's all in all, I'm very excited about those servos. And I think a lot of people who try them are going to be really, really pleased.
Well, as a person that hates tuning, I want to say thank you because uh, I don't want to have to tune my servos. And to be honest with you, my mind's kind of blown. I don't, uh, I guess I'm just not at that level. I've never been the, never been at the Gregor level or anything else of (laughs) of flying. Definitely never as the Kyle doll or the Kyles in general level. And uh, it blows my mind. (laughs) Yeah. No, that sounds awesome. You make me want to try. I need a set in the Yurikai, and uh, I've been looking for a set of servos. I've had that sitting on the sideline, and I want to put it back in play. You touched base. You kind of skipped over the helicopter. What What mm-hmm. is Kyle Dahl flying these days? Can you tell us? Can you not tell us? I, I still have my uh, my Logo 700. So my it's like six years old now, and... Uh... It's still chugging along, man. Like it's, uh, I have not, never changed the thrust bearings, never changed the dampers, never changed the tail gears, never changed the tail uh, blade dampers, never changed a, a thing. And six years later, it's still just chugging along. So, yeah, I still fly my my trusty logo. And uh, I, I, since as I've been out of the the helicopter scene for a few years, uh, of course, I, I would wasn't uh, very active and i wasn't um pushing mikado to to sponsor me a lot of new products and uh so but when i fly something it's still a mikado and uh, i've not experimented with anything else i'm happy with what i got and you know it's uh still a great helicopter it's it's old i mean 2016 is when it came out so that's seven years ago i mean that's it's a old and faithful i guess you could call it now old reliable it's a great and, design, so I don't know. I think it ages well. It doesn't appear old. So yeah, yeah. we'll see. I, and, I, I I can't say too much, but I, I hope that Mikado like uh, ch- decides to revise it at some point, and uh, I think that would be great. But uh, I know they got their hands full with the V bar, the new V bar Evo, and and uh, catching up on orders and. Uh, production of that so i guess they need to get over that hurdle and uh, then we'll see what happens yeah i'm looking forward to it like touching on that today touching on that i mean Mm -hmm. i I don't i think a lot of people don't realize that mikado is a fairly small company you know and and uh Mm -hmm. i think everybody expects you know this mass production mentality but you know that's just that's just not the not the case you know and and you know, being a small company, their their developments are just you know, they're they're kind of industry industry leading, if you will, you know, and have been for a long time. So, you know, it's uh, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Mikado. A lot of companies are are small. Mikado is no different, and yeah. uh, and I, I know the hobby is can seem like a big industry, and we think of companies as you know they're just big and this and that but no i mean it's like there's uh, only there's one main engineer working on the the development of the flight controller and then he has uh another guy reiner uh who uh, helps with uh, some of the the except the the applications and the the secondary stuff but the main guy uli he's uh it's it's him and he's another guy fueled by passion you know he he's a very good pilot so he writes some code, goes out and flies it, sees is it, is it better or is it not? And, you know, that's what ultimately or previously made the V-Bar so good is it's uh, just the engineer, the guy making it is the one who's flying it also. So, And I imagine they have the same so, yeah, problem. Back... 
I was going to say, I Go imagine ahead. the same problem you ran into with the Scorpion ESC and all the different motors in the market. They got the same problem. Yeah. They got a fly bar list and all these different types of models. Plus, mm -hmm. we're bad builders. So we build stuff wrong, out of shape, out of tune, and we fly bad. And we expect that fly bar list to make up all of our, um, cover all of our mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's huge amount of vari variables and uh i guess we want to i i'm sure maybe somebody wants to ask me about the v-bar evo and the vibration issues and stuff but uh i think in the general, market's beat like, that to death <laughs> yeah the market's beat that to death but it's i can just say probably to those who want to listen who who will hear like it's a very complicated matter like the the amount of vibration that that unit has to filter and the the thing i was talking with uli when i was at global 3d you know it's actually not vibration like mechanical vibration of the the helicopter like it's not it's not the case it's not the how it's mounted to the model it's not the tape it's not anything like the the vibration that was affecting the the unit it's actually sonar like sound like sound waves bouncing like coming off of crap and hitting that sensor with like over i think it was like 70 g's of force Look, and uh that's amazing and so and that's something that you know like they did their testing that uli flies mikado and uh, he tested on mikado and mikados don't have that helicopters and then guys put them on other models which um you know they put the they they either they have very stiff dampers or that's the the neo is mounted like right next to the motor or any of the possible things that can cause it to have an issue and uh, it's just stuff that they I guess they didn't foresee and you know if, maybe if they'd sent out 20, 20 units to various pilots around the world they would have caught it but I can also say sending out prototype equipment to twenty pilots is also a recipe for disaster like you're gonna have 20 different opinions and 20 different pilots saying this and that like you can only outsource so much to to people that you trust and uh so it's a very delicate matter and you know i know a lot of people were kind of upset about that but i think now they've they've got it figured out the people don't like uh, the idea to put like some glue on their their expensive flybarless unit but uh that's that's what works like that a bit a little bit of glue the hot glue trick like it what it's doing is actually blocking that sonar vibration like that noise it's shielding the sensor from that and so so that's what works and uh, i hope people do that and you know the guys who don't want to fly v-bar anymore well they, i guess they'll sell it and somebody else will buy it and it'll work and um i was gonna i was gonna say something else but i lost my train of thought so we know. have the two opposite of us. One of the guys mm -hmm. in our field had that issue. I did mm -hmm. the hot glue for him, and it was perfect. Mine, out of the box, I'm still flying it. has been perfect yeah. ever since. So to your point, it's different models, different conditions. Yeah. You know, and, different and pilots. Different yeah, flying styles. Funny. I mean, it's like it's always a, a battle of like who's at fault. Like, is it the helicopter at fault or is it the V bar that's at fault? Like, there was the issue a few years back where um, 
I think it was on the the Kraken, like there was something in the gear train where at a certain RPM, it made the V-bar freak out. And, you know, it's like, who are you going to blame? Like V-bar that can't handle 60 Gs of vibration or a gear train that has this resonance point that also SAV can't predict. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's, he said, she said, and Things at the happen. end of the day, I, I, at the end of the day, I hope, I mean, I'm sure everything will get worked out. And, um, but Kyle, I um, think that's the root of the problem. You use the word blame. And I think that's what the industry, the hobby does. And they shouldn't. These yeah. are people doing some pretty amazing things. You look back 20 years ago on what these helicopters were and what they're doing today. I tell you, I'm amazed at how well they fly. And I hear horror stories of mm -hmm. what the old guys like Gregor here used to have to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you want a little hot glue. I'm down with that. You know, and that's just that. I mean, we are so spoiled with everything that we have, the technology that we're that that we're seeing come come to fruition mm -hmm. is 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 just so top notch that you know it, i mean geez the 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 some of the stuff oh. a, automatic you know switching in the servos you know yeah. um all this stuff is just so incredible to me and uh but you know i i, I you know i don't want to jump too far off topic but you know we just we i don't care if you're talking about helicopters you're talking about it, you know, whatever hobby you're into, I mean, I think it's just the kind mm -hmm. of the world we live in right now. Um, everybody has is, in my opinion, has gone mad. And, you know, and yeah. and, and people just want to blame yeah. everybody so, well, else for things, you know, and, you know, people, I, they, they have the mentality like, oh, it's the premium system. And uh, if I paid that much for it, like it should work. And it's like, uh, I mean, I'm, I maybe somebody doesn't want to hear this, but let me just uh, say that like V-Bar is a premium product, but it's like, if you wanted actual like premium, like really, really, really like um, perfect stuff, like V-Bar would cost, the Neo would cost a thousand dollars. Like if this was an industrial product, that like had a whole team behind it and did years of development and had a whole team of engineers and testers and this and that. It's like the radio would cost five grand and the V bar would cost a thousand dollars. So like the fact yeah. that a radio is 1200 bucks and the Neo's 250 or whatever, like, I mean, it's an expensive product, but it's, yeah, I mean, they just, yeah, people, I, I hope that the market can just kind of, settle down and work together with the manufacturers and because you know the, as, as we said at the start of this like hobby manufacturers are not huge companies like they're, they're they're smaller and they're working they're doing it out of the passion of their heart and to make a living and they want to provide you with the best product and we really are really pushing the limits of i mean reality i guess like i mean just think about what a helicopter can do and how aggressive it can fly and how together. much power you, how much power you're getting out of a little tiny motor in, in reality i mean if you look on the industrial market that a one horsepower motor is going to be like i don't know like maybe five or six inches across and weigh a pound and it's like here we right. have a motor that weighs 500 grams and makes 10 horsepower like right it's, you know, it's yeah, crazy it's awesome. and it's phenomenal uh, yeah yeah. Well, for those of us who have been up. in the hobby for a while, I mean, think about the, remember when it was $250 for a 5C battery? 
Yeah. And they were, yeah. they were crap. I mean, they had, yeah. they didn't have anything and we are so spoiled. I mean, you can go, everybody's got a 45 C battery. And to be honest with you, I mean, I think that's plenty for the average pilot. Mm -hmm. uh, I myself back in 2018, they called it a static hit on a 516 it was fully staticed out and everything else it owned from one end to the other. And I mean, I built a couple of helicopters over the course of time. And uh, I stopped using Mikado uh, V-Bar because I was so ticked. And it was, I literally put mm -hmm. another bird with a different fly barless and a different radio up in the air and flew it the exact same day. And mm -hmm. uh, basically I was just stonewalled and I kind of dead end. And I was really looking for a reason. I had all the logs. I'm a technical person. I want to know the reason. But I think like I've heard of a lot of people complaining that Mikado went out. And again, by the way, I do own a V-Bar. I do own Neo. I own a Touch. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm still flying multiple radios uh, and multiple fly bar lists. But uh, I turn around and pick that back up. But I think Mikado stepping up to the plate, I've seen glue videos. Greg, I, didn't you do a video on something yep. with the glue in the Very thing? Good, yeah. I mean, I think I've seen people stepped up and the community supported it, right? So you weren't just mm -hmm. left dead in the water. And there was a lot of topic. And you're going to have heated conversations. But I think that was handled phenomenally. Whereas, like, this is 2018 and you know, you can't know all the different variables. And I was kind of, I felt like I was kind of left, but I mean, you're always going to have situations where like people might not have the answer and it, it can be, it can be odd. And, well, that's, uh, yeah. But I think and that's that, what people realize. We are a small community, community. and community. we are being provided with products by some guy sitting in a table on the other side of the planet, making up something out of his head going out testing it and like kyle's doing with the motors and escs if we don't support them they won't be there and then we'll be back at these 5c batteries that cost a thousand bucks that don't work very long so <laughs> well, to me i thing. think it's all working together yeah and, and kyle kyle touched on it a few minutes ago i mean you've got i mean look sometimes some people they put their engines in a nitro you know, with the fly barless system right above it, or maybe it's in the very back where vibration's going to travel. You know, I mean, there's so many different placements for all kinds of different things that you know, all these models are so different than one another. Yeah. The gear train, the way the gears are, like you said, the Kraken having that that interesting when they did the straight cut gears that had that that resonance. You know, there was mm -hmm. there was, and then they so they they didn't foresee that, so they combat it with some helical gears, and they. You know, it was just all over the place and, and, and nothing is going to be perfect right out of the gate. You know what I mean? And, and, mm -hmm. you know, when some, some, when people try to compare, you know, Futaba to, you know, to um, Mikado or this, that, and the other, I mean, look, I mean, to me, I mean, look at Futaba, look how, how many products, how big they are compared in comparison, right They're mm -hmm. you know, and, and you know, the, there's, you know, we could complain about the programming of the Futaba or we could, you know, and the simplicity of Makata. I mean, it is, it's, Hey, they're, they're designed, you know, that you know, that they put maximum effort, these companies put maximum effort into them and, and, and in Futaba's eyes, Hey, this is the way it needs to go. This is, this is perfect for us, but then it hits us here in the States and we're like, this programming's crazy, you know, and some people love it. You know, I know yeah. Steve, you like you're a very technical person. You, it comes down to you can't please everybody, and and things will happen that are out of the control of 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 the manufacturers because there's so many variables with all the mo different models that we have and the way they're designed, and and that's just mm -hmm. the way it is, you know. And and I think to get 
super, you, you know, yeah, it can be a little disappointing. Oh, you know, some people, I think, opening up the case on a fly system that might freak them out that might scare them you know but reach out to somebody that might be able to do this for you you know or or you know somebody that's more confident and i understand you know you're gonna have a level of fear you're gonna have a level of frustration um, but at the same time if we go down to the get back to the root of of why some of these things are uh, you know are, are occurring they're just you know they're they're just things that happen that's life that's part of life that's part of what happens and you you, mm-hmm. you work you work around it you know and and you know some of the things that Mikado has brought to the table for you know for us to get that 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 connected feel that you know to to progress in the future I mean this is just one of the one of the things that that occurred and and you know it's you know just hey it is what it is and and you know it's it's growing pains you know so it's just getting element. so bent out of shape is is wild and again it, it comes down to you know, I, I think it's the world we live in. I, I work in animal control and um, I used to get two to three bites a month, right? Bite reports that I that I would have to fill out. I'm getting three to four a day now, which is just, why is that? It's so bizarre. Mm. We are, the shelters all across the United States are being flooded with dogs that have major behavioral issues. And this is all after COVID and we're sitting here going, why is that? And and the reason I bring this up is because, man, people are kind of acting the same way. Is it the animals feeling us? So I think, I think it, you look at this big picture here and people are just on edge nowadays. The so world's make, getting crazy. You make one little mistake and people are just bent out of shape about it, you know, and, mm. and just, you know, mellow out. So man, it's okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And we're, we're seeing that reflecting onto the animals. So, so I think, uh, I think it's important for everybody to understand that and, and, and reflect a little bit and, and and realize you know this this is our hobby and you know you start discouraging and and being awful to the um to the people that are designing these products don't be surprised if they get you know what i'm done dealing with this is stressful i'm done and and we start seeing people fold up shop because you know i i I, i've seen it left and right not even just with the hobby people are just i've watched phenomenal pilots go you know what I'm done because I don't want to deal with this, this, this negative feedback. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, for sure. yeah, there's a difference between <clears throat> po- negative feedback and positive feedback. You know, uh, some negative feedback is positive, but if it's brought in such a, a, a nasty way to, delivered in such a nasty way, you know what? And that, and, and, and if too many people do that, you might go, you know what? Kiss it. I'm out, you know, and we don't mm-hmm. want to see that. We want to see these, these small companies keep moving forward and developing products for us to enjoy you know so with the to end on a positive note when are we gonna see kyle Dahl back in the states like urge yes, or the southwest heli rodeo or <laughs> yeah i uh i really want to hit some u.s events at, at some point um things are, are pretty crazy here at, at scorpion at the moment like we we have so much product development going on and and so many so many orders to fill. So we're really uh, cra- been crazy for the past, well, the past year, it hasn't slowed down, but uh, I, I do want to hit some US events. Um, maybe if there's something later in the year and uh, or next year, I'd be great. Maybe you guys can make some recommendations on events to hit up. So I'm it is a long way to travel. Rodeo. There you go. Yeah. 
personal invite out to the heli rodeo. There you go. We'd even give you the center stage for the Kyle Dahl challenge again. Yeah. (laughs) That was so awesome. That's cool. For those of you who don't know, up in Utah, he did a four point auto. Steve Graham called him out. He's like, he was like, hey, what auto you want to see next? And Steve Graham's (laughs) like, I want to see a four point auto. And I don't know that I've ever even heard that question. I know. I'm like, Kyle kind of looked at the crowd and said, okay. First time out, man. I mean, he eked that very last 90 degrees of rotation, but it was awesome looking. I think the entire I think the entire crowd screamed for that one. That was that was phenomenal. That's and you do, you encourage people like that. Like I I don't know, I I think I showed three different people. I probably spent two hours going over autos with people that day of people that they watched you auto and they wanted to learn how. And the only thing I can do is an auto. And so I've taught a lot of people how to auto and worked with them. And I mean, these pilots are all phenomenally better than me, but they didn't auto. Mm-hmm. So start working through that and get them over that hump. Right. Yeah. And I would like to take a second and thank all the small manufacturers. I mean, we are a small heli community and the fact that like Scorpion makes so many great products for that, or, you know, Mikado, um, you know, look at, uh, who's it? Brian with, uh, uh, Mikado USA and all the Brian things Merlin. he's going through here recently. And I mean, Mikado USA is still rolling. I know Gorgon's out there helping, but these are just a couple of guys. I mean, you got like uh arrow Panda, just again, a couple of guys running stuff and putting stuff out there and, and it's phenomenal. And thank you. I mean, thank you for the new products. Thank you for the exciting times. I mean, I, uh, I can't say I'm often uh, buying new products. I'm not the latest and greatest guy, but kind of got me excited about these KD2s. I think I want to try a pair. I tell you, that gold on them makes them look sexy. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that gold is, is definitely pretty. You know. Yeah, the, the first samples that they sent me, it was kind of a, a, a orangey anodiz- anodizing, which is they, what they do on their car servos. And I was like, mm, guys, can, can we not with the orange? Like, let's just go gold. Go for gold. There you go. Yeah, there you go. yeah, that would be good. Speaking speaking of uh, influencing, you know, um, I, I gotta I gotta I gotta call this out. Uh, the I remember the first time I'd ever seen a helicopter do anything fancier than flying inverted was I remember years ago. I had been with A Main Hobbies for oh man, a couple of years I, I'm guessing, and we had uh, Kyle was was like the first official team member on yeah. uh, at a main yeah. hobbies yeah and uh we had you i think we all went up to miguel or paradise california and uh we were doing some testing on the tz frenzy that that yeah. that, that 50 was size nitro yeah. yeah yeah that you could buy for 250 bucks you know and uh and and anyway that was that was incredible that to me was that was so fun and i think what were you like 12 years old at the time yeah 11 maybe 14 or something like that yeah, yeah. yeah. for those who don't know if they want to go down memory lane like yeah it was a a main was my first official sponsor nice. back in 2008 or something and yeah i um, yeah. met up with a lot with gregor back in the day and uh, kendall and dan the, the yeah. owners of a main they're good yeah. times yeah, those definitely were. I was trying to find the video. I found it the other day, and uh, I'm like, I can't, now I can't even find it. I don't know where I even located. It might have been a memory or something. And I was like, mm. man, that that those were the days, you know, and and uh, good times though. But that that influenced me so so much, you know. I had uh, I gotten to at that point in my life, you know, I had uh, there was a lot going on in my life, and it was such a the helicopters uh, were such a 
they kept me grounded in so many ways and and uh seeing what they were capable of doing was just um amazing to me and uh yeah it was just it was so fun to watch that and and to be able to experience you know and then watch you 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 grow and it's so funny because i look at i was watching that video and i'm like man you know watching where helicopters i mean you were you were top notch back then and then you see you see that video knowing where we're at now and you're like yeah holy moly what how far we've come and and yeah, you know for sure. what, we're, what we're capable of with helicopters today is just incredible just incredible yeah you know, so for sure fun, fun times man <laughs> awesome yeah 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 i think uh somebody said before like we're we're lucky with how easy helicopters are now actually despite everything um oh, yeah. just i was going to share a story that I it shocks me like to my core the story my dad told me back his uh, one of his first helicopters that he had uh no gyro on it not even on the tail rotor so like everything was flying like that and he told me he was trying to track the blades without a gyro but like the tail kept moving because so he couldn't see the blade tracking and so he he grabs the tail rotor like by the tail fin and then takes off with the pitch and is holding the tail boom while flying the helicopter wow. so that he can look at the blade tracking. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my God. Like I'm, I almost didn't exist. That's Safety hilarious. Third. Yikes. <laughs> That's hilarious. And it's like, find- wow. Like, uh, okay we got it pretty good nowadays. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. I have this bell helicopter that, uh, it, it came it was it was in a box about that flat you know you know it was about three inches flat maybe 24 inches long or whatever and i have this helicopter I, I i somebody gave it to me and i'm it was a nitro and i'm thinking how the hell did that fit in that box like i have questions you know and uh in the manual it shows them grabbing the tail holding mm. on to it and squinting with one eye to track the blades i'm like are you serious that's a real thing you know like that's yeah. insane. <laughs> no yeah. wonder, no wonder airplane pilots didn't like us. You know, yeah. <laughs> we scared right. them to death. Yeah, yeah. So crazy. All right, Excellent. right on. Well, that's awesome, guys. And yeah, this uh, has been fun. I think on that story, I think it's about time to auto and out of here. And thank you, Kyle, for joining us. It has been an absolute pleasure. You're uh, never, never tired of watching you fly um always an awesome time keep up with the videos and everything else and uh i really hope to see you out here at a fun fly this uh yeah. this year so yeah, thank you guys for also having me open. on I, you're out of joan all right you made it out to joan yeah. all that was mm-hmm. that would be pretty cool uh beautiful venue i'll be out there for uh heli extravaganza so right. and then we've got the rodeo coming and gregor you got an event coming up here too don't you we do. Yep. Yep. The, uh, the, in the end of, end of November, just kidding. September. <laughs> I can't get my head on straight. I'm like, you caught me off guard. Yes. End of September. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. That should be yeah a lot of fun. Hoping to see a lot of people out there and, and, uh, it's, 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 I think they call it my event, but it's actually, you know, it's, it belongs to, uh, the Amos Heli Flyers and Danny Juarez and I just assist them with it to get them off and going. But uh, we're still proud of it. Still a great event. And 
yeah, I hope to see many of you out there. I know Steve's committed already. I know I'll be there. Greg's committed already. <laughs> you got a prettier face mm-hmm. than Danny, so that's why we use you. There you yeah, go. there you go. <laughs> the face <laughs> of the go. event. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, right awesome. on. Yeah, Thanks, thank everybody. you guys for having. Thank you guys for having me on, and thank you for doing the show. Like uh, we're talking about small heli manufacturers, just doing this out of passion. So same for you guys. I mean, awesome. you guys are doing this out of passion to help the community and entertain the community. So congrats to you guys as well. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Thanks, awesome. guys. All right. Well, awesome. it sounds like it's about time to auto on out of here. And uh, I guess we will see everybody next month. Thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thanks Great again, job. everyone. Thank you, guys.